Hey, you remember when Joe Biden and his entire administration said that they would never, ever build another foot of border wall because walls don't work? There will not be another foot of wall constructed on my administration. We have talked about the border wall here in, in general as, as a way uh, that uh, it's been used in, in a, to, to, you know, to, to close the border, and we feel that it is a policy that doesn't work. Uh, I, I stand by uh, the decision of this administration to uh, cease construction of the wall. Walls don't work. We won't build them. Very clear declarations. Just as clear, in fact, as the Biden administration's uh, declaration yesterday that there is an urgent need to build more wall. According to a, a notice of determination just sent out by Biden's DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, quote, there is presently an acute and immediate need to construct physical barriers and roads in the vicinity of the border of the United States in order to prevent unlawful entries into the United States. It turns out walls and fences do, in fact, work, which, of course, has always been the case. The Democrat argument never even made sense. Democrats claimed that the border wall built under Trump was cruel. But if the border wall were cruel, that would imply that it worked, that it actually accomplished something, and the thing it accomplished was cruel. But they simultaneously argued that it didn't work, that it didn't stop people from coming in, which would mean that walls and fences are not cruel because they don't do anything. They're not good or bad. They just don't do anything. But they do work, and they'll work this time too. They will work to stop illegal immigrants. For Democrats, that's a bad thing. But they will also work to stop Joe Biden's crumbling approval numbers, which for Democrats is a necessary thing if they want to hold on to power. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. A New York University professor has just suggested that we ought to teach mating dynamics to young men who are so hooked on porn and AI sex robots that they don't know how to speak to women. We'll get to that. Not terrible suggestion in a moment. First, though, speaking of establishing proper boundaries, uh, protesters just swarmed Vivek Ramaswamy while he was on the campaign trail, and Vivek, in characteristic form, answers all of their questions before one of them rammed into him with a car. Do you think Ukraine should be free? Ukraine should be a sovereign nation. Absolutely. So how, how, is the US, how is the but U.S. going to negotiate a path to peace that allows Ukraine to come out with its sovereignty intact? Well, what NATO, does that sovereignty look like to you? A hard commitment that NATO will not admit Ukraine. What does Ukraine? that sovereignty look like to you? A hard commitment that what NATO... What does that sovereignty look like to you? <laughs> Can you answer the question? You Whenever you're... Tell me when you're done, and then I'll answer the question. <laughs> yeah. Answer the question. NATO will not admit Ukraine to NATO, and should not admit Ukraine to Why NATO. Why not? Because we made a commitment in 1990, and I believe in standing by our commitments, that NATO would not expand one inch, not one inch, past East Germany. And the same commitment, Russia made a commitment that it would not expand its territories. What I want to say is I'm very glad that young people are engaged and passionate about these issues. So the fact of the matter is, 
I believe we have to stand by our commitments, but the job of the U.S. president is to look after U.S. interests and have a reasonable path to peace. That ginger punk is getting my blood boiling <laughs> because Vivek is, uh, of any presidential candidate in the race, Vivek is the most gracious about answering people's questions, debating openly, and he's trying to answer the question. And this kid won't stop speaking and is just mouthing off to his better. It's just so outrageous. We, that NYU professor wants to teach mating dynamics. We need to teach respect. We need to teach civility. We need to teach punks having some proper attitude toward their betters and people who are graciously answering questions. But anyway, that's a, that's a minor point. Vivek graciously answers the questions. And then one of these punks gets in his car, flips off Vivek and rams his car into Vivek's car. And you can tell it's a liberal car that, that did the ramming because there are all these sorts of silly bumper stickers all over it and, and hits the back of Vivek's car. Vivek's fine. Uh, the person who did this needs to go to prison for a long time. Look, it's great that maybe Vivek's got a little whiplash or something. I don't even know if he was in the car at the time, but he's okay. This is political violence. This, this is along the spectrum of assassination, okay? This, this is establishing the principle that if, if you pose a question to a presidential candidate and the presidential candidate even answers you and you don't like that answer, that you can commit violence against that person. Vivek's got two small kids. What if those two kids were in the car? A grown man can handle being hit in the back of a car at a relatively low speed. What if it were a little kid? What if he weren't in his seat right? What if any of these things, something could have gone really, really wrong here. And according to the news reports this morning, the protesters got off the hook. Oh, they said it was an accident. No big deal. That protester should rot in prison for years. That is not, not only an attempt at committing violence against a presidential candidate, that is violence. That's serious violence. And someone could have gotten seriously hurt if not killed. But our liberal ruling class doesn't care about that. Our liberal ruling class encouraged protesters just like those punks and even more violent than those punks to burn the country down for eight months and to loot and to steal, and to assault, and to murder people. Dozens of people were killed in the BLM riots that were encouraged by our liberal establishment where the rioters were bailed out of jail by the vice president of the United States, the current vice president, Kamala Harris, by staff members for the president of the United States, Joe Biden. This is not an example of, wow, look how far things have gotten. Someone hit Vivek's car. We got to pull back a little. This is a promise of things to come if the conservatives continue to pull well in this election. It's going to get a lot worse than this if the liberals feel that they're going to lose their grip on power. We got to talk about that. When you want to talk to your friends, you got to check out Pure Talk. Right now, go to puretalk.com slash Knowles. You know a company is looking out for you when they actually upgrade your service and don't charge you for it. This is great news for new and current PureTalk customers. PureTalk just added data to every plan, plus every plan now includes a mobile hotspot with no price increase whatsoever. If you've considered PureTalk before but haven't made the switch, take a look again. For just 20 bucks a month, you will get unlimited talk text and now 50%, 50% more 5G data, plus their new mobile hotspot. This is why I love PureTalk. They're veteran-owned and only hire the best customer service team located right here in the good old U.S. of A. Pure Talk families are saving almost $1,000 a year while enjoying the most dependable 5G network in America. Remember, you vote with how you spend your money, so stop supporting woke wireless companies 
that do not support you. When you go to puretalk.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, you will save an additional 55-0% off your first month because they value you. Go to puretalk.com slash Knowles, Pure Talk Wireless for Americans by Americans. Speaking of public office and death, uh, John Kirby, who is the spokesman for the NSC, uh, he previously was a spokesman at the Pentagon. Now he's just in another sort of version of that role at the National Security Council. Uh, John Kirby was asked about Senator Tommy Tuberville's hold on top brass military confirmations. Uh, because the military is now insisting on paying service members to travel out of state to kill their children. And Senator Tuberville says, this is completely insane. This is not what the American people want. This is contrary to our values. And so we're going to hold up the confirmations of the very tippy-top brass at the Pentagon until you guys get rid of this new and completely insane policy. So the, the Pentagon is at a standstill in terms of its promotions. Reporter asks John Kirby, hey, is the Pentagon going to cave to the senator and the desires of the people and the civilian political order? Here's John Kirby's response. Isn't keeping that abortion policy in place, in effect, a superseding national uh, security? How? I'm not sure I understand. Well, you want to get the, the, the nominations through, right? You take back the policy. Oh, so, you, so the suggestion is that we should just turn our backs. No, I get it. I didn't say it was yours. But the suggestion is we should just turn our backs on one in five of every, every person in the United States military, let alone their family members, just so we can get these, these officers confirmed. That's the suggestion that I think you're... Put a pause here, please. One in five members of the U.S. military is regularly killing her children? One in... I don't believe that statistic. I don't think one in five members of the U.S. military at any given time is murdering her children. I, does Kirby mean that one in five members of the military is a woman and that a woman essentially needs the right, quote unquote, to kill her children? What the hell is he talking about? And that just would be an egregious violation of the covenant that we make, the military makes, covenant. the people that sign up and volunteer. Covenant to murder children. Remember this, they're volunteers. There's not conscription. There's no draft. People volunteer for this. And when they volunteer for that duty, they have every right to expect that they're going to get the health care they need. And let me tell you something else. A healthy force is a ready force. So don't talk to me about national security being impaired. Um, uh, the one impairing national security is Senator Tuberville. Okay, Senator Tuberville, who doesn't understand that if our military servicemen and women cannot slaughter American children willy-nilly whenever they want, regardless of state laws, then we're not going to be ready to go fight proxy wars for Ukraine or, or whatever we're doing now. That's, that's crazy. That's crazy. That is crazy. The purpose of the United States military is to kill our enemies. The purpose of the United States military is not to kill our own children. If top brass at the Pentagon is confused on this matter, then the top brass at the Pentagon needs to go. And at the very least, they're not going to get their promotions and they're not going to get their confirmations. I generally like John Kirby. He's fine. He's got an impossible job flacking for this awful administration that has very evil priorities at the top of their list. So I, I have a bit of pity for him. But this answer was egregious, absolutely egregious. He, he talks about 
the the sacred covenant that we've made with our service members. Get those words out of your mouth. Get those words out of your blasphemous, sacrilegious mouth. Sacred covenant to murder children? That's a sacred covenant with Moloch. That's a sacred covenant with the Baals. It's a sacred covenant with Baphomet, the devil himself. It's not a sacred covenant with God. There's nothing sacred about it. Senator Tuberville is a hero. I am so, so pleased that that man is standing up for what is right, what is most basically right, which is that our, our government should not be, our, our U.S. military should not be going out of its way to undermine the laws passed by the duly elected representatives of the people of the, many of these states to protect children from being slaughtered by psychos. Are we the baddies? When did we become the baddies? I don't want to be the baddies. And inasmuch as top military brass are the baddies, they got to go. I'm now beginning to think not only should we hold up their promotions, we should just fire them. Anyone, anyone who in any way is associated with this egregious policy should be fired, should just be released from the military. Get them out of there. I don't want them anywhere near our military. They're very confused about the purpose of the military, which is to kill the enemy, not to kill the sweet little innocent babies here in America. Quite the opposite. And Kirby's got to go too. Kirby's got to go too. What a disgusting display from him. Speaking of disordered sexual dynamics, a professor at NYU has just suggested a new course for students, which is the teaching of mating dynamics. We used to call this the birds and the bees. You know, you would teach it to like 11-year-olds. But now, because of the stunted development and perpetual adolescence of American people, uh, now you've got to teach this to 22-year-olds. Now, you got to do probably 25-year-olds. This guy's a business school professor. And, and I think he's right. I think he's mostly right. Here's his argument. We're developing these digital analogs of life that create low-entry, low-risk relationships and you think, well, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is because it leads to depression. Life is about the victory of taking risks, enduring rejection, and quite frankly, pursuing someone and developing the skills and deciding to put on a clean shirt and maybe shower more often and maybe hit the gym every once in a while and maybe text when you're not sure how this person feels about you and figure out a way to interact with someone around the nuance, nuance and develop the skills around human sexuality such that you can develop a relationship. And I think every, every teenager in, in high school should have a course as part of health on mating dynamics, where they teach, especially young men, that approaching a woman and expressing romantic interest while making her feel safe is a skill, and there's nothing wrong with that. And that the end game, a relationship, a partner, a romantic uh, partner, is one of the keys to a happy life. This guy is almost totally right. He, this guy is, it's not just 50% right, he is 70% right. The only thing I disagree with him on is the phrase mating dynamics. Is that makes us sound like animals. Makes us sound like gorillas. Makes us sound like horses. I don't know, we got that. And here we are. We have the NYU student approaching the young girl at the coffee shop. Let's see what kind of weird, depraved stuff he does that's really, really embarrassing to both of them. Yes, that's what, that's what you would see today in a nature documentary on young people's mating dynamics. And people do need to learn it. But 
what we call that in a more human sense is courtship. <laughs> what we call that in a human sense is romance. <laughs> what we call that in a human sense is being normal and being a red-blooded man talking to a lady. It's not, it's not just mating dynamics. It's not just, because we're not just beasts. We're human beings, and so there, there's more to it. But his broader point is right. When he says, having a good romantic partner is a key to a happy life, well, let, let's take that up to the human level again. Having a spouse is an important aspect of a happy life. Not everybody gets married. Marriage is not for every single person. Some people have a consecrated single life. Some people are called to religious life, priesthood, to uh, some kind of religious order. But for most people, marriage is what you're called to. And marriage is higher than just a romantic, committed relationship. And I'm not being pedantic here, and I'm not splitting hairs. The reason that distinction is important is because if we continue to approach the relationship between the sexes as nothing more than animals grunting, trying to get what they want, then then we're going to maintain this dysfunction that we're in. We have to recognize that we're human beings and we're called to a higher sort of mating dynamic between men and women, both of whom are made in the image and likeness of God. The reason that he thinks this needs to be taught now, though, is clear enough. It's because of ubiquitous online porn and because of the apparent advent of these AI sex chatbots, which is something, uh, mercifully, I don't know anything about. I didn't even believe this was really a thing until I read a news story on it. I brought it up on the show, I think, last week. And it's, it's at once extremely sad and pathetic, and I have a deep well of pity for anyone who is using these tools. But I get how it could be tempting. I do. Every, all the other commentary on these AI weird chatbot things is how pathetic it is, and these guys are just big losers, and they're incels. And sure, maybe all that's true. But I get how it's tempting. I get how it's tempting. These, these chatbots, according to at least the articles I've read about them, they, they develop to tailor their language specifically to your desires, to your tastes, to preferences that you might not even know that you have. The, the deck is really stacked against you. The deck is really stacked against young men. How are young men supposed to acclimate and, and become accultured in a normal way, in a good, flourishing way, in a world that plies them with ubiquitous porn, that, that plies them with the Me Too movement BS that says if you ever smile at a girl and she doesn't like you, she can accuse you of rape, that, that, that plies you with all of these weird chat robots and, and things to distract you and take your attention away. And that plies you with the, the lies of the hookup culture, that when you do actually meet a girl, you can, never, you, can, you can never pursue her in a normal way. You've just got to get completely blackout drunk or do some drugs or something and then have a hookup and then hope she doesn't regret it because then you'll be expelled from school and possibly go to prison for rape. That, that's, a, that's tough. This is where I have some sympathy for the red pill guys. Because then, by the way, if you do get married, the legal deck is stacked against you where uh, you, you have a regime of no-fault divorce where the woman could take your money and your kids at any given time. And that's very scary. I think there are ways to greatly mitigate that, that risk. This is where I differ from the red pill guys, which is they, they observe that divorce rates are sometimes in the 40s, not quite 50%, but a little under that. And that might be true. But among Catholics, it's at least 10 points lower than that. Among traditional Catholics, it's virtually nil. I suspect those numbers hold true for other 
seriously minded religious communities, Orthodox Jews, for instance. I don't think I don't think the Hasids are divorcing at a, at a fifty percent rate. Far from it, of course. There are things that you can do. There are ways that you can live your life that will mitigate these risks and that will be more conducive to human flourishing. That's what this professor is talking about. And this guy is right. He's at a a top school, NYU, Stern School of Business. And he's absolutely right. What does it profit a man to learn how to make a bunch of money or be a management consultant or make widgets at the widget factory if he loses his soul and loses the prospect of having a wife and a family and a good life? Doesn't look good. And when you want to look good, you got to check out GenuCell. Right now, go to GenuCell.com slash Knowles. Everyone here at the office loves the GenuCell Dark Spot Corrector. You might be asking what this product even does. Well, if you've got sunspots, dark spots, discoloration, or dry skin, the GenuCell Dark Spot Corrector will help those blemishes disappear in front of your very eyes. Kimberly from Youngstown, Ohio says, My appearance has improved so much since using GenuCell. I love all my GenuCell products, and my skin looks younger. Now it's your turn to feel like Kimberly, but hurry! This sale is ending very soon. Take advantage of GenuCell's most popular package, which includes the beloved Dark Spot Corrector. This package also includes the GenuCell Classic Under Eye Treatment. You will get all these products for almost 70, 70% off. GenuCell is so confident in their products that you can try them for yourself completely risk-free. If you don't see immediate results, you will get your money back. It's very simple. Go to GenuCell.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Start looking years, even decades younger tomorrow. Say hello to the best skin you've ever had at genucell.com slash Knowles. Genucell.com slash Canada W-L-E-S. Folks, it's officially October. There's no hiding it. There's no denying it. Pumpkin spice season is upon us, and I am fully embracing, imbibing, and living the PSL lifestyle. You can too. Go to dailywire.com slash shop to get your hands on the limited edition Michael Knowles pumpkin spice candle. It's everything you need to complete the trifecta and eat, drink, and breathe pumpkin spice. You will allow your inner white girl to to burst out of you. I don't care what you look like on the outside. You might be an old, wrinkly, big, fat, extremely black man. But on the inside, you're a tiny little young 16-year-old white girl. And that, that happens every fall because of pumpkin spice season. Let it out. Let it out. Get that pumpkin spice candle right now. Available only at dailywire.com slash shop. My favorite comment yesterday is from Cool Papa J Magic, who often has, he's, he probably has been read on this show more than any other commenter on YouTube. Cool Papa J Magic says, this title just makes me think of Jesse Lee Peterson. Uh, that's true. The title yesterday was about uh, lesbians. And lesbian is my friend Jesse Lee Peterson's absolute favorite word. There's a great clip. I can't find it anymore. I think it was scrubbed from the internet of him explaining Black Lives Matter to Piers Morgan on his old British talk show. And Jesse says, uh, I'm I'm only slightly paraphrasing. I think he said, Black Lives Matter is an agitated Marxist organization founded by a bunch of black lesbians. But he says, says like, lesbians, because he gets a kick out of the word. So anyway, yes, the, the title was in in no small part, a nod to Jesse. Speaking of all these dynamics, speaking of breakups, there's a poll out of Reuters Ipsos that shows most Americans do not support arming Ukraine. Only 41% of Americans support arming Ukraine. Very different from what we had been told about the beliefs of the American people even six months ago, even among Republicans. 
The conservatives have always been a little skeptical about America's role in this war in Ukraine. But we were told the vast majority of Americans support arming Ukraine, support Ukraine. They think Zelensky's Winston Churchill. This is the fight of our generation. Don't be Neville Chamberlain. We've got to go out there and send all our money to Ukraine. Even Republicans, we were told. Polls don't seem to reflect that. This poll was conducted Tuesday and Wednesday. 41% of respondents said the U.S. should provide weapons to Ukraine. That's down from 65% back in June. Democrats who are more likely to support arming Ukraine, their support dropped from 81% down all the way to 52%. So just a bare, barely a majority of Democrats support arming Ukraine. And among Republicans, support dropped from 56%. So previously you had a majority down to only 35%. And then this is crucial, independents who previously favored supporting Ukraine even more than the Republicans did. This was 57%. They dropped down to 44%. Why? What is this about? I actually think I get both sides of the argument with Ukraine. People feel very passionately about the Ukraine issue. I don't feel that passionately about the Ukraine issue, and I I think that I can see both sides relatively clearly. The pro-arm Ukraine side is America is an empire. We benefit from being an empire and a global hegemon. We need to project strength at all times, and that involves uh, pushing back the Russians and degrading their military. And we're going to do that not because we really even want Ukraine to be a territory of ours. We just want to throw our weight around in the world and make sure that people keep doing what we say we that we want them to do. Okay, that's fine. The The anti-arm Ukraine argument is that we are on the brink of World War III and that the United States actually did in some ways provoke Russia in Ukraine because the United States funded the Maidan revolution in 2014 and we had the leader of the CIA land in Kiev something like two weeks after the Maidan revolution. And we have uh, said for years that we would not be expanding NATO eastward because NATO is a purely defensive alliance, not an aggressive alliance, even though NATO has taken offensive, aggressive actions on a number of times in the past. And uh, we have moved east and we're now right up on the border of the former Soviet Union on Russia, and we're, we're now uh, meddling a little bit more in the breadbasket of Europe. And we have Joe Biden on, on camera saying that he was throwing his weight around and, and got a, a Russian, a Ukrainian prosecutor fired because they were investigating the bribes that were being sent to the Biden family by Ukraine. So anyway, I get that, that side of the argument too. Both sides have some weight to them. The, the way that the American people feel about this now, I think is more a function of time than ideology. Had this been the middle of the 20th century, we'd be throwing our weight around in Ukraine, no problem, no big deal. It wouldn't even be a second thought. We can't do that now because liberalism has eroded our national unity and our self-confidence and our sense of purpose, and to some degree, even our ability to project power around the world. That's why. Back in the middle of the 20th century, there was broad agreement about who we were, what we're about, what America means, truth, justice in the American way. We're a Christian nation. We're the good guys. Those godless commies are the evil guys. We're going to stop them at every turn. There was, there was agreement about that. Moral, religious, political, we were generally together. Now we're not. Now the United States is basically nothing more, at least in the minds of many people, including our rulers, we're we're basically nothing more than an economic zone of disconnected individuals. Yeah, we don't need borders. Anybody can be an American. Anybody can come. Anybody is an American for that matter. 
what do we care about? We care about making money and we care about GDP ticking up a little. We need to open the borders because we need GDP to tick up a little bit because we don't have kids anymore because we don't have families because we abolish the family. We don't, we don't need a firm definition of family that's existed for all of history because individuals want to do whatever they want. And individuals have the right to define whatever they want. Individuals can not only define the nation, they can not only define their own sense of purpose, they can, they can define marriage, they can define what it means to be a man, they can define what it means to be a woman, and who are you to stop them? We're all just individuals, man. Okay, fine, that's the argument. Great nations can maintain empires. Economic zones of disconnected individuals cannot. That's why we're flopping in Ukraine. We're flopping in and about Ukraine. That's why these poll numbers are going down. Because great nations need a sense of purpose. They need unity. They need borders. They need a distinction between citizen and foreigner. They need a coherent religion. They need, they need good, proper objects of worship. They at least need clear objects of worship. Even if it's an evil empire, they at least need to know what they're worshiping. And it's got to be more than just hedonistic pleasure in the almighty dollar. And really, truly great nations need to worship the true God, which we've done. We've done that in our past, and we don't do that now. And so we're just extremely confused, and we feel very disconnected, and we feel like nothing more than alienated individuals just kind of pursuing our own economic interest as economic man. Okay, well, that kind of a country is not going to maintain an empire far-flung overseas on the border of Russia. It's not, not going to work. The people are not going to desire that. So the only way that it's going to continue is if the permanent government, the State Department, deep state types, just keep waging the war in Ukraine and just keep sending money over there, even if the Congress doesn't want to send money. Jim Jordan, who's who's up for speaker right now, he said Ukraine aid is not on his, on his prior, priority list. So what's going to happen? Maybe the U.S. deep state just keeps sending money over there by doing what they did six months ago and pretending that the the cost of the arms that we'd already sent was actually lower than we thought of. So we say, okay, the cost of the arms was actually lower, which means we've just discovered $6 billion that was already appropriated, so we're going to just send more weapons over there. They can, they can pull those tricks for a little bit. Maybe they can pull it for a long time. But then the distinction between the ruling class and the ruled is going to grow even more. Speaking of strange statistics, here's one. I guess I'm going to have to just tease this one because we got to get to the mailbag. But this is a weird one. Gen Z, the Zoomers, my beloved Zoomers, are drinking much less. And the way it's being reported, here's how it's being reported in the Wall Street Journal. When did rock concerts become tame? Thank alcohol-free Gen Z. Conspicuous teetotaling is now prevalent at hot acts. See, this is why you should all really be sober, says a 24-year-old at one of these concerts. So there's this idea that Zoomers are sober, unlike millennials who are booze hounds and Gen X and boomers. and The Zoomers, they're, they're sober. And that is not true. This is all being erroneously reported. It's true that the Zoomers are drinking less, which could be good. It could be a good thing, maybe if the kind of drinking that was going on were uh, abusive or excessive. But the problem is the Zoomers, are they're, they're not sober. They're just trading one vice for another vice and for a worse vice. They're not alcoholics. They're potheads, which we'll have to get to on, on Monday, I guess. Maybe sometime next week. I don't know when we'll get to it. Who doesn't love a good Columbus Day sale? It's Columbus Day. That's Monday. That's a big day. Some folks don't even want you to celebrate Columbus Day. Jeremy's Razors, we want you to discover the new world 
of woke free shaving. Get 20% off select Jeremy's Rage's products and bundles, including the Precision 5 Starter Kit, the Founders Kit, the Beard Kit, the Skincare Bundle, and more. Be a pioneer for a better shave and better hygiene. Don't wait. Make the switch today. Get yours at jeremysrazors.com. Finally, finally, we've arrived at my favorite time of the week when I get to hear from you in the mailbag. This mailbag is sponsored by Pure Talk. Go to puretalk.com slash Knowles to save an additional 50% off your first month. Take it away. Hey there, Michael. I've been thinking about uh, the Red Pill's view on marriage. And while I certainly don't agree that we should discontinue marriages and, and just totally further destroy the institution of marriage, I do see some value in what they say in regards to the fact that there needs to be some pressure put on uh, society at large and especially women to reject feminism. And women traditionally have always valued the benefits of marriage more so than men, I would say. Um, because, you know, hmm. in a way, I think women benefit more from marriage than men, or at least on an, on a kind of surface level analysis, that's the case. So I think that there needs to be a kind of a consequence for the whole feminist movement. And we can't just say, oh, let's go back to the 1950s. And, you know, ha- that's not going to put enough pressure on anyone to actually move and make a decision. So as a purely political matter, I do see some value in what the Red Pill community says with their issues with marriage. And that's it. Of course, I do value marriage in and of itself. But anyway, thank you. Okay, I think I, I appreciate your feelings, but I think you're contradicting yourself here. You're saying, I, I appreciate marriage. I value marriage in and of itself. Okay, well, then that's the end of discussion. Then the red pill guys are wrong about it because they're saying don't get married, but you're saying marriage is a good thing in itself. And I agree with that. Marriage is a symbol of the love that Christ has for his church. Marriage is essential to human nature in that human beings are not only the social creature, the political creature, but also a coupling creature. And the sexes are complementary. And the way that the species propagates itself is through marriage, through the union of one man and one woman uh, in holy matrimony forever. Till death do they part. Uh, so, so it's good. The error that I think you're falling into, that the red pill guys fall into, is the same error that they accuse everyone else of falling into. They, they're saying, you don't understand how terrible the political situation is. You don't understand how terrible divorce law is. You don't understand how terrible the family courts are. You don't understand how terrible the, the reality of marriage is for so many men. And that's a political problem. It's not just a personal problem. It's not just solved by finding the right woman. It's not just solved by the right behavior. It's a political problem with terrible incentives and terrible laws. Okay, I agree. So the answer has to be political. But then they, they go right back to the same kind of quasi-libertarian, just, just act individually, man, and ignore the political issues kind of nonsense that got us into this mess in the first place. They say, and that's why you just personally shouldn't get married. No, the conclusion from there is a political problem is bring a political solution. Outlaw no-fault divorce. Change the way the family courts are run. Change the way that marriage is understood. Re-redefine marriage. We, we had the Supreme Court redefine marriage in this preposterous way not that long ago. Well, okay, let's go back and define it properly. Yeah, those are all political solutions. That doesn't mean that at, a, at the personal level, you're going to fix that problem, that political problem, by just you not getting married and not having a great life. You also say that women benefit more from marriage. I'm not convinced of that. I'm not convinced of that at all. 
I've benefited tremendously from my marriage. I'd be in a gutter somewhere, probably, if not for sweet little Elise. I'd certainly be much more miserable than I am. I'm brimming with joy every day. I've got my beautiful children. I've got my beautiful family. I come home. I get a nice dinner. I get, I get to delight in my wife and my children. Women benefit from marriage, too, but we both benefit from marriage. It's a benefit to both of us. That's why you say that it's a good in and of itself. Yeah, sure. So let's not be squishy, lib cucks and, and back away and say, oh, I'm not getting married. I'm not, uh, until they solve the political problem. No, solve the political problem and also comport yourself in your personal life in a way that is virtuous and conducive to your flourishing and take steps to mitigate the risks that are imposed upon you by the political problem. You're never going to be totally safe in any political environment. It's a fallen world. So take the steps such as practicing a religion that doesn't even recognize the reality of, of divorce. Uh, you know, take this, take the steps in your behavior, your religious life, your, your, your culture, the community that you're in to protect yourself and then live a flourishing life. Next question. Hey, Dirty Mike, Mr. Reality here. I wanted to get your take on a thought I had regarding Trump's fraud trial in New York. I think we can both agree the trial itself is a fraud. It is unfair. My question is, do you think there is a semblance of justice in the trial, given that it is unfair? Let me explain. While Trump was president, he pushed COVID lockdowns. He put Fauci up again and again to push lockdowns. He slammed Brian Kemp for reopening his state too soon. He called wearing a mask patriotic, etc. Regardless of who actually did the locking down, Trump or state governors, Trump clearly supported and encouraged the lockdowns. In other words, Trump was an unaccountable figure who used his power to unfairly strip Americans of their livelihoods, businesses, and even their homes when they could no longer afford to pay for them because they couldn't work. If justice is, as Aristotle said, giving each their due, and as the Bible says, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, do you think it is justice that now Trump himself is being targeted by an unaccountable figure using his power to unfairly strip Trump of his livelihood, his businesses, and potentially his home? Thanks. Mr. Reality, did you throw your back out stretching that much? I don't know. That, uh, I, I share the disappointment with how the lockdowns went down and that, that President Trump, I'm not convinced any Republican would have done better as president, including certain state governors who opened their states earlier. The, the pressure on a state governor versus the pressure on the president of the United States is not even remotely comparable. But but it's unfortunate. Yeah, it's too bad that Trump elevated Fauci. It's bad stuff. Uh, you know, naughty, naughty. Uh, it's bad. I'm, I'm not defending that in any way. Uh, you know, with, with any politician, you take the good with the bad. I also didn't like the First Step Act, that tr- Trump had a jailbreak bill. I thought that was unfortunate. Um, so I, that was the, that was the wrong decision. There's no no doubt about that. Does that mean then that a man should be stripped of his businesses on on preposterous and unjust grounds? I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, many people will will fall into that line of thinking because they just don't like Trump and they they want to see him destroyed. Uh, all of the Democrats and many Republicans are gonna are gonna feel that way. And that, uh, there's nothing unnatural about that exactly. That's, that's how democracies tend to work. There's a reason why in ancient Athens, the sort of archetypal democracy in practice, when leaders would fall, they would be ostracized. Even when their, their uh, vassals and when, when their lieutenants would, would fail and fall out of favor, they would be ostracized from the city. That's been true throughout history. True in antiquity, true in the Middle Ages. It's true now. They they could except now we have to hide it a little bit more. We, we the the political order doesn't want to be so 
transparent in its use of power. So, so now they're going to use all these little courts to take away Trump's business, to try to throw Trump in prison, to, to, to arrest Trump's lawyers, to arrest the lieutenants. I mean, it's the same kind of thing. But instead of just saying, okay, you're banished for 10 years to some Greek island, they're going to say, okay, you, you know, you've committed an evil crime and you're going to prison, which is much crueler. It's much harsher in supposedly enlightened modernity than, than you saw in supposedly backward antiquity. Uh, but no, I don't think that would be just. I do think it is the ordinary operation of democracy, though, taken to its extreme. Next question. Hi, Michael. It's the Shugmeister. What's your opinion on the synod on synodality coming up this October? Still a little unsure of the purpose of it, something, something, listening more. I understand that more feedback, especially to our local diocese, is probably a good thing. But I'm wondering if some of the bishops from Germany who seem to be in leadership positions for this synod are going to take this opportunity to reinterpret certain doctrine and dogma that the Catholic Church has held for thousands of years. What should we as Catholics do if there's a schism in the Church? Love the show. Thanks. Thank you. There's a great quote by Hilaire Belloc. I've quoted it often. I have to take it as a matter of faith that the Catholic Church is divinely instituted. But for those who doubt its divine institution, uh, one evidence of that would be that no other institution conducted with such knavish imbecility would have lasted a fortnight. We ought to pray for the Church. I do not see the synod on synodality as... uh, improving the situation very much (laughs) in the near term. Uh, But we pray for the church, and we trust that the Holy Spirit and our Lord will never abandon the church. Next question. Hey, Dirty Mike, Mr. Reality here. I had a question for you about Trump's poll numbers, specifically from that ABC poll that you talked about on your show on Monday. The ABC polling has a history of being wildly wrong. Specifically in 2016, a few weeks before the election, they had Hillary Clinton up double digits over Trump, and we know how that turned out. So my question for you is, given that the mainstream media clearly wants Trump to be the nominee, uh, either for their ratings or because they think he'll be easier for Biden to beat, and given their history of faking polls, which we all know is true, my question is, do you think it could be an effort by the mainstream media to help Trump get elected to make fake polls showing that he is electable. Ben's talked about the underlying numbers on some of these polls that show him winning huge support from black voters, which is unheard of in Republican circles, for example. Uh, Do you think the polls could be fake to take out the DeSantis argument, or do you think they're real this time? Thanks. And if you do think they're real, why? Thanks. A a poll or two can be fake. The the ABC Washington Post poll maybe is, is off. Is that intentional? Are they incompetent? Is it some combination of the two? Maybe. It's very difficult for all the polls to be this far off because it's not just, it's not even like Trump and Hillary where the polls have Hillary up by a significant, but, you know, still uh, not 50 point margin. (laughs) And, And the issue with these polls is Trump is so far up in every single one of them everywhere. I mean, even Iowa, the, the DeSantis campaign is betting its campaign right now. They've moved a huge portion of their, their campaign staff to Iowa. This is going to be it, which maybe we'll get to it next week. I'm not convinced it's the best strategy, though it might be the only strategy they've got right now. But even in Iowa, Trump is, is up 49 points. Even among committed delegates, he's up something like two to one. So I, I would be, I, I'm, I'm as skeptical of the polls as anybody. I just think in... In, in this race, you, you've got to show me any evidence that Trump is not up and up by a lot. And every single indicator would suggest that he is. 
including the odd historical fact that he's running as a kind of incumbent. So, look, I could be I could be proven wrong, or something could change in the race that that hasn't happened yet. You know, I don't know. Someone could, God forbid, knock off Trump, or somebody could. Uh, Trump could end up in prison, and that would probably only raise his numbers, but maybe it could hurt his numbers. But something could change, and I could be proven wrong. But I just think right now the uh, followers of other candidates and the promoters of other candidates are, are grasping at straws for any any excuse to believe that Trump is not the front runner. But to, to make that argument, you've you got to have some evidence. You say, well, okay, the polls are all wrong, but this piece of evidence, suggest, you know, but there, there just isn't one. Just every single piece of evidence, for, for better or worse. Maybe you hate Trump, maybe you love Trump, maybe you don't even really care about Trump, but for, for better or worse, it, it seems like a healthy dose of copium to suggest that all the polls are off by 50 points. Okay, we've got more mailbag to get to. We have fake headline Friday to get to. You need to help me and don't, you can't, you know, you don't say number five, or that one, or this, because the chat, it's delayed, and so you got you got to type out the whole headline, but I need your help. The rest of the show continues now. You don't want to miss it. Become a member. Use code Knowles, Canada BYLS, check out for two months free on all annual plans. 